It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. I'm Anthony Weiner. Thanks you for meeting me in the middle. The middle, because facts are neither left nor right. This is our 100th episode. We've got Ava on the board, Jonas on your calls, Kevin supervising things some. It is a great day out there, a little snow on the ground, a, a good day for radio. So great to have you here. We will be here for two hours. When we did our first episode back in March of 2022, it was a one-hour show. Now it's a two-hour show. So we'll be here till four o'clock and then four o'clock left versus right with drum roll, please. Roger Stone will be coming back again. Last week's left versus right. We're having this debate series now. It's a little bit different than it was. Curtis and I would just chew the fat. We decided 2024. I say we, John Katzmatidis and Chad Lopez and the gang, they decided, look, this is a news and opinion station. It's an election year. Let's do some real debates, even if the candidates don't. And uh, John was the first one. John Katzmatidis, the owner of the station, was the first one to do it on Left versus Right with me. We broke the record for ratings here, and they've actually gone up ever since. Roger and I, a lot of people tuned in last week. Roger's got an interesting story. I have an interesting story. We've both been around a while, and so we decided to do it again. That's at 4 o'clock. It's so great to have you along. Like I said, it's the 100th episode. <laughs> I think it's the 100th episode, and I'll tell you why is that I, the, the only way I know to really count is I, I would number the episodes when I would write a little memo to to Kevin or to Ava about like ideas for the show, and what cuts we might want to have in music and things like that, and I would do them in order so we would keep the emails in order. And so we would post them as podcasts by their number, and then somewhere along the line, some edict came down from podcast heaven that said, no, we don't want to do that, we want to have different titles or by dates or something like that. So I'm pretty sure that this is the 100th episode. I went back and I counted them all. The only problem is it's not 100 weekends since since March 26, 2022. So somewhere that's only 99 weekends. So I I think this is our 100th episode. It's so great. All the support has been just amazing. It starts with the callers who have made the show go, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Wiener at w, wienerwabc at gmail.com. All the incredible professionals that help this show be so great. People like Bob Brown doing the news and Avon the board and Jonas and all the folks and, and especially Kevin who kind of supervises things. 
And of course, I mean, how it happened, for those of you who haven't been with us since the very beginning, is for a while after I got out of prison, and by the way, this past week, this past uh, Valentine's Day, was the five-year five, five year anniversary of me getting out of prison. And John Katsimatidis, who um, had fairly recently purchased the radio station, said you should come on, do some interviews, maybe participate in a show or two. And I just wasn't ready to kind of return to public life in any way. I was still trying to reassemble my life, get back to to know Jordan again and these different types of things. And also I wasn't quite sure I was ready to talk about all the things that had transpired. And so I kind of put him off. I was grateful for the offers, but I put him off. And then it became clear that part of my road to not any kind of public redemption, but the idea of, in my program of recovery, this idea of making amends, is the idea of taking responsibility, taking full inventory of the things that you've done, and making full amends. And that includes some transparency, some rigorous honesty. So I decided to do a few interviews on the station, including one with John, including with Sid, where I let them ask me anything, ask me some really tough questions about my 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 the crimes that I committed and the, the acting out that I did and the addiction and all the other things. And um, they said, why don't you come on and do a show, Left versus Right, with Curtis. And I had spoken on the other side of the microphone a thousand times, been interviewed. And I'd even done a little bit of radio when I left Congress, ironically, at WABC under the old ownership. So I knew a little bit about it, but it wasn't until I sat down and did the show with Curtis, left versus right, that I really got an opportunity to kind of, you know, I mean, let's face it, Curtis is one fry short of a happy meal. We know that. But he is Marconi level of a radio guy. He knows the business extraordinarily well, understands the rhythm of radio, understands the technical side of radio. And so he really mentored me a great deal. And unlike most people who might be not terribly interested in promoting someone else, he actively promoted me around here. And John was a believer in the idea of wanting WABC to be a right-leaning radio station, but that where all voices were welcome. And he didn't just get any old, old. He got one of the real lightning rods from the left and from Democratic Party, being me. And so the combination of of Curtis training me and promoting me and John really believing in the mission and people like Chad Lopez and the great people here who helped make the show go. Um, after a while, they said, why don't you try doing an hour on your own? And that's when the middle was born, about March of 2022. Took a little while. We were doing as left versus right, the Anthony Weiner hour, and then it became the, the middle thereafter. And I have to say now a hundred episodes later, I just really, it, I think that we've accomplished a lot of the things we wanted to, but more importantly, here's what the show has become in a couple of different kind of like with a lot of growing pains. The world that we live in is the most partisan it's ever been. You know, people vote for Donald Trump and support the things he does because they believe in him and people are opposed to Donald Trump and support Joe Biden and you can't, even the most benign issue that would be bipartisan becomes partisan eventually because people are in their silos and they're in their silos because they're getting news and information from places that only have one hand clapping. If you watch Fox News all day, you watch MSNBC all day, um, and that's what a lot of people do. So you have two groups who are finding 
a little bit of a home with this station, with this state, with this program. It's the people that listen to this station all year round who are very conservative, who believe in our hosts and who believe in the things that they say. And when they tune in for two hours on Saturday, it's their only opportunity to hear the other side or to hear some fact checking or to hear some leavening of the things that they're hearing to get a little sense. It's the one place on the dial that they get to hear that. Not that they could not go listen to NPR or listen to MSNBC, but they're not. So for those people, we're a place that callers call in and challenge me and hear what the other side is. And for people on the left, people who might tune in to MSNBC or might tune in to NPR, they tune in for these two hours because I'm one of them. And they get to hear the callers. They get to hear the stories. They get to hear the other side for the only time they do because they're not watching Fox News. And then the third group are people who are like, you know, I don't, I'm not either side. I'm the kind of person that I'm, I'm a swing voter and there are fewer and fewer of those. But for those people, they get to tune into 77 WABC between two and four on Saturdays and hear both sides going back and forth. People yelling at me, people calling me names, me going back at them, me trying to fact check stuff. And so I think it's, it's that kind of island that we've been and not to oversell it. Uh, you know, the show's still not great. It's very good. I think I'm think I'm getting better at this all the time. But I really feel that it's found its legs doing that. Like being for all three parts of the pie. The people who are conservative till the day they die, the people who are Democrat till the day the day they die, and the people who are somewhere in between. All three of them find something going on for this two hour show that they find at least sometimes nourishing. Sometimes people find it frustrating. They don't want to hear any anything from the left. Sometimes my my friends and on the left who listen to the show and download the podcast on the Red Apple Podcast Network or anywhere you get podcasts, sometimes they say, you know, those those people who are calling in, they're crazy. And I say to them, no, that's the rest of the country right there. And they might get something wrong and I may try to correct them, but that's the rest of the country. And if we're going to do this and we're going to make it valuable, this is the way to do it. And I think this might be – I mean I, I think that if someone did a show like this with a more conservative perspective on liberal radio stations, I think it would be a success also. I really do. So that's where we are. It's 100 episodes in. I'm really grateful for all of you who have tuned in. I'm grateful for all the people who have called. It's, it's been great. So let's go to some of the news of the week. It has been – Another crazy week. Alexei Navalny, the number one opposition leader in Russia, is now dead. He was killed by Putin. Ukraine surrendered in the last 24 hours and basically withdrew from Vadivka. But I think I'm saying that Vadivka. Seven Russian brigades are in that town. They basically, the Ukrainians have had basically lost it before, but fully withdrew. The Russians apparently have access to some, or developing some space weapon now, if you saw that in the news. So, naturally, it's a good time for the House of Representatives to get up and leave town, because this is this is heavy stuff. The, the Senate, in a bipartisan fashion, passed aid for Israel, Ukraine, Taiwan, and um, humanitarian aid for for. For Gaza, but the House of Representatives won't even take it up. So 
I hope they come back to town. However, when they do come back to town, the New York Three will be filled by a Democrat. Special election this week. You've heard all about it. I mean, look, you can draw a lot of you – know, I'll, I'll ask Roger Stone about this when we debate at 4 o'clock, but you can draw all kinds of conclusions. It's a little bit of you know looking through a kaleidoscope. You see what you want to see. But this was a district that Democrats lost by seven and a half points just a year ago, year and a half ago. And if the Democrats are able to flip this kind of seat, then Republicans who won Biden districts in 2022 um, are terrified because a lot of the issues that came up in this race, this was a very nationalized race. For example, it was a largely about immigration. All of Mozzie's ads were about immigration, and even Swazi was talking about immigration. And an interesting thing to me that I think has been – that I found interesting about the results, in addition to the fact it was a pretty easy win for Swazi, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. And it was, it, it was a bigger win than a lot of people expected. It was polling at one or two. I think it finished at eight. There was a part of the district, about 19% of the district is in Queens is around – it's, it's around Creedmoor, which was an old mental institution that had been used. It been it was ground zero for the fight over migrants because they housed a lot of migrants there. There were protests. Um, Curtis Lee led many of those protests. In 2022, and that was also ground zero for the immigration fight because every piece of literature was about that fight because that's where the undocumented were being settled. In 2022... That area went by four points for the Democrats, that part of Queens. With this immigration issue, red, white, hot, this Tuesday, it was a plus 23 for the Democrats, a 19% gain for Democrats, where immigration was the fight. Now, I don't want to take all the credit for this because I think Tom Swasey is a pretty smart guy. But if you're a regular listener to the middle – you know that I have been going on the offense about immigration for months. That this is the Trump immigration laws. This is the Republicans who don't want to legislate. This is, I mean, I have been saying the sentence that the Republicans don't want a solution to this problem. They want the issue for the longest time. And that was exactly how Tom Swasey talked about the issue. And he won by 23 points in, in that part of the, the, the rest of the, the rest of the district was just talking about it as an abstract thing. The people around Creedmoor were talking about it. This is in their backyard and the Democrats swamped. So that's something that I found interesting. Another thing that I found bewildering this week, <laughs> maybe you do too. What is going on with Fannie Willis, the prosecutor? I got to make a note here. I want to. Make sure to raise this with Roger Stone also. Roger Stone and I will be debating left versus right at 4 o'clock. Okay. I want to make sure I've got this right. Fannie Willis is the district attorney of Fulton County. We're at Atlanta, Georgia. She's bringing this 19-person racketeering um, case about the efforts to overturn the election results in Georgia from 2020. Okay? We knew that. She's the prosecutor. This week, my TV, my feeds my newspapers have been filled up with stories about how Fannie Willis was in a romantic relationship with the outside counsel that she hired 
to prosecute, to be the lead prosecutor on this case, a romantic relationship, and also a financial relationship in as much as they were going on dates together and they were exchanging money to be reimbursed. This is the most crazy cockamamie. You know, I spend a lot of time on this radio show trying to persuade people they should take judicial proceedings seriously. And we're going to talk about a bunch of them today in the Trump fraud and the and the, the hush money case and these other things. What a clown show. I mean, by the way, I'm a Democrat. I'm glad they're prosecuting this case. This is a joke. And it's and I think it's serious because whenever these two started, and I don't want to do the whole refresh of the issue, but basically it's if he was not working, if he was hired while they were dating, then is that a conflict of interest? Is he the best person? Did they negotiate the best fee arrangement or whatever it is? And so a lot of it is when did they start dating? Their story is they start dating after the case started. I don't even think it matters that much because the financial thing is still the same. Even if if he's an ex-lover of hers, the fact that he hired her, I'm sorry, she hired him, just raises the question about what was the motivation. And so why does it matter what the motivation is? And I've heard a lot of people say this. And I'm kind of in this camp. The most important thing is that the crime gets prosecuted and there's a fair trial. But there's money involved. You're basically, you know, perhaps this guy, this, this guy is making decisions about whether to negotiate plea deals because it's going to mean less money for him. And that Fannie Willis is now not doing legitimate oversight because, right, just stop right there. Maybe she's not doing normal oversight because he's a former whatever. And, to say, oh, well, I'm a strong woman. I wouldn't do that. Okay, but I'm just saying the appearance is really bad. And that's the last thing we need because that's a complicated case for a lot of people to understand. And the last thing you need to do is introduce all this romantic stuff. But a case that people are saying they understand but clearly don't is what, what Steve Moore spent a lot of the last hour completely screwing up and getting completely wrong. But I'm here to clear it up for you. This is the middle. We're going to come back after the break. We're going to talk about the hush money case. And Donald Trump being found, uh, well, he's already found guilty of fraud, but how much he has to pay. And then in hour number two, I see you all those Hunter Biden fans. I see you all those people who say that Joe Biden, that Joe Biden is too old. We're going to talk about that in hour number two. It's Anthony Weiner. It's the hundredth episode of the middle and we'll see you on the other side. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC.
On your radio, Joe Jackson, welcome us back in. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. So great to have you along. Episode 100, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. A lot of the news this week was in various and sundry courtrooms and courthouses, the Fannie Willis thing I just tried to describe. Not pretty. But that's going to be what this year is like, right? Because with the exception of Nikki Haley holding on here for a little longer, we're not going to have news every couple of weeks, every couple of days about primaries. Like, remember how it was in 2000? Well, every year. I mean, there are primaries. Not this year. This is basically an unprecedented, basically two incumbent year. So the court cases involving Donald Trump primarily, a little bit around Hunter Biden, but Donald Trump primarily, are going to dominate the news. And this week was a blockbuster for those. And so there are a whole bunch of different cases. There is the documents case in Mar-a-Lago, documents that the president, that um, Donald Trump wasn't allowed to have, was asked for them back. He allegedly wouldn't give them back, et cetera, et cetera. There's that case. That one's going very slowly. The judge in that case has really gone very slowly. Let's just put it that way. There is the case about the the global effort to undermine the election the, uh, that on the federal level, the Jack Smith case. That we're waiting for the Supreme Court to say whether that can move forward because there's this argument being made by Donald Trump and his lawyers that he's immune from prosecution if that turns out to be the case. One, I have to be careful because that means that Joe Biden can come shoot me in the head and get away with it. Or, But also, two, if, if, if it turns out that Donald Trump and all presidents are immune from uh, crimes that they commit while in office, then that trial is dead. It, otherwise, it moves forward and it's a biggie. But – any of those two federal trials, either of those two federal trials, if they're not resolved by the time um, January 1st, 2025, uh, January 20th, 2025 comes along, it could be Donald Trump as the president. He'll be in charge of the Justice Department. He'll say, drop these cases. He can do that. So those cases could just go away. The cases in state court, though, it doesn't matter if you're the president or not, they move forward. And the first case out of the box is this one that we haven't heard about in a while in New York State. It's the hush money case is the easiest way to, to refer to it. The president, it is alleged, don't think that that's confirmed. I don't think he's a, said yes to this, uh, uh, paid a uh, an adult film star money so that she wouldn't talk um, to the media and also paid a newspaper money to buy this person's story and then bury it. And the crime there is that since that was something he did to further his 2016 election, this is 2016 now we're talking about, and he paid for it out of business money and then didn't report it properly, that that's a crime, a state crime. Mm, okay, let's see. I'm willing to wait to see that trial. It doesn't seem the most compelling thing I've ever heard. Um but it is, you know, you got to follow the law. And I should point out about that case that um, it starts March 25th. They're already moving forward with the rules of who's going to get chosen for a jury. They're moving forward, you know, because you got to move move quickly. The interesting thing about that, that case, just to keep in mind now, is it was not the crime. It was the cover-up that if he would have paid this porn star and and not made efforts to cover it up, just kind of said this is a campaign expense or something. I'm going to file it as something. 
it reminds me like of of kind of Watergate. You know, Watergate was as you know you've heard it said a thousand times. It was a two bit break in that then there was a tape of Nixon talking to John Dean about covering it up. Well, there's a tape of uh, that guy Cohen talking to Donald Trump about covering this up. So that's that case. But the case that got a lot of attention in the last hour with Steve Moore, it's got a lot of attention on the radio in recent days, is uh, Trump was had already been found guilty of fraud for the valuations that he had put on properties and and documents that he had filed with banks, with the state, with insurance companies, all these different places. $354,868,768 with interest. It's about $463.9 million. Let me just say off the top of this one, I don't really care that much. It's a big landlord. He's got a lot of money. It doesn't affect my life all that much. I'm not getting into this money. Taxpayers are. I'm not getting into this money. To make it clear, that's who gets the money is the taxpayers. And it's not a fine. It's a disgorgement of monies that you got that you weren't entitled to. That's what that was. But I am, you know, just just so we kind of understand here, because it gets mischaracterized. Oh well, the, the banks do their own evaluations. There was no harm done, and everything else is is you cannot, you my listener, me, you cannot lie on bank documents. You can't do it. You're not allowed to do it. It's against the law. Now, not all of us have lawyers in our offices, and not all of us have lawyers in our backyard that tell us what to do and what we can't do. But the Trump organization has a bunch of lawyers. They know it's legal and they know it's not legal. So, for example, Seven Springs, which is this thing upstate New York, Donald Trump's company goes out and gets an appraisal, has it appraised for $30 million. Donald Trump had it appraised, and yet he wrote down on applications for loans, applications for insurance, 261 to $291 million. Appraised at $30 million by Donald Trump's own appraiser. 40 wall appraised at 540. He said it was 734 when he had a right and when he had to apply for, for the Mar-a-Lago appraised at 18 to 27 million. And then he goes out and writes 427 in one case, 612 million in another case. So, so there's that. Now the defense, and this is on top of the, the defense is, well, people, I, everyone does this. Oh, every business operator. I think that that may or may not be true. I've never been someone. Who had that much money? I didn't knew. I didn't have anything to be appraised. I don't know that that's the case. Um, but it's still against the law. And let's remember, when people, you know, there's also a little bit of a where there's smoke, there's fire situation here. Trump University, he was found guilty of fraud. That that enterprise was disbanded by the courts, and he had to pay. Trump Foundation was found guilty of fraud. That was put out of business by the courts, and he had to pay. He's declared bankruptcy six times, 4,000 lawsuits. Like, there's a track record of this guy long before he became president of doing stuff like this. So even if you say, well, everyone does it, apparently it's a real endemic problem with Trump and with his organization. So I'm not sure that's the best answer in the world. And this idea, well, there are no victims – Okay, you can say there's no victims, but there are. There is not an infinite amount of money to go around to lend. There is always someone who is going to be just below the cut to get a loan from a bank. And that's based on true and real reporting about people's assets and people's liabilities. So in a way, if he's able to get the last 4% loan 
or $700 million of 4% loan when if they knew the real story, he would have a 6% loan. Yeah, there is a victim there. But let's remember something. This, the Attorney General of the State of New York, she doesn't rely on a, on two people suing each other. She's a third entity. She's the state. She's you and me. She's making sure that people follow the rules. That's the job of the Attorney General. So, yes, the state of New York has an interest in doing just the same way. What would be an example? Just the same way the Highway Patrol has an interest in pulling you over and make sure you observe the speed limit because everyone else has an interest in you going the right speed, even if you don't run anyone over. But there is an element of the Donald Trump defense. And well, you know, but, but let, me, let me, one other thing I should point out. Donald Trump had an opportunity. This were two trials. One to determine whether there was fraud. They found that there was fraud. And one of the ways is that the judge just ruled that that, that there was fraud because that's his job. He ruled that there was fraud because in a large part, not only didn't Donald Trump put on a defense, he had an opportunity to come say everyone. I see Alina Hobbes said we couldn't put on any any evidence. Well, Donald Trump had a chance to come in and testify. And um, this is cut five. This is what he had to say. Anyone in my position not taking the Fifth Amendment would be a fool, an absolute fool. Accordingly, under the advice of my counsel and for all of the above reasons, I respectfully decline to answer the questions under the rights and privileges afforded to every citizen under the United States Constitution. This will be my answer to any further questions. So he took the fifth. Now, you're absolutely right. You're allowed to do that. That's a constitutional right. But here's the difference. This is a civil case. In a civil case, the judge is allowed to draw an inference based on taking the fifth that is negative. He's allowed to assume the reason you're not answering the question is because he knows that you did some bad th- – because you know that you did some bad things. So he's allowed to draw that negative inference. So if you hear Alina Haber or any of the other lawyers say, we didn't have a chance to put on our evidence, they absolutely positively did, including put a Donald Trump on the stand to, to make whatever case that he wants. And Donald Trump, by the way, and this is one of the things that, like, his supporters seem to ignore about him. He's a complete phony when it comes to the Fifth Amendment. A complete phony. Take in the Fifth Amendment, like you see on the mob, right? You see the mob takes the Fifth. If you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? Fifth Amendment, Fifth Amendment, Fifth Amendment. Horrible. Horrible. I want the Fifth Amendment. I want immunity. The reason they get immunity is because they did something wrong. They didn't do anything wrong. They don't think in terms of immunity. Right. That, that, that's enough, I, that's enough, Ayla. You can turn that down. So he, he goes on like that. He took the fifth round. But But here is, let me just say this. There is one element of this case that Donald Trump is exactly right about. Exactly right, and I agree with him 100%. We'll get to that on the other side of the break.
It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Welcome back to the middle, Elvis Costello. We're doing radio. We're doing songs, actually, that were from the earliest episodes that we did and also are appropriate for the moment. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222, wienerwabc at gmail.com. We'll be here till 4 o'clock. And then Roger Stone comes in for left versus right, another debate, rumble in the jumble or something like that. If you miss any part of this show, it's available as a podcast anywhere you get your podcast, the 100th episode. So I said that there was an important thing that I agreed with Donald Trump on, and that is he has said over and over again that this is a political prosecution and that he says that he is being targeted in ways that others would not be, and he points to Letitia James. As a matter of fact, he did was helpful to us in compiling for us um, cuts of Tish James even before she was in office talking about how she was out to get Donald Trump. Will you sue him for us? Oh, we're going to definitely sue him. We're going to be a real pain in the ass. I will never be afraid to challenge this illegitimate president. We need to focus on Donald Trump. We need to follow his money. What is fueling my soul right now is Trump. This illegitimate president. Yeah, that's Letitia James. There is no doubt about the idea. Unlike this argument that's made about Bragg, Bragg did not say a lot about prosecuting Donald Trump. In fact, whenever he was asked in in um, kind of these candidate forums that they would have, I know this because I live in Manhattan Island and and I kind of follow that campaign pretty closely. But the Tish James was unrepentant and unambiguous about wanting to go after Donald Trump, and. I think that is a legitimate thing for Donald Trump to be saying, and I think that that's right. However, I want to point out something that I think sometimes people misunderstand is that that happens all the time. You know, there is this expression, the higher the monkey climbs, the more they can see you, you can see his ass. You know, Donald Trump made his fortune a part of his identity, made his acumen as a businessman part of the selling of his brand made his campaign about get a businessman in there because I'm really smart. I'm a, I'm a billionaire. I'm a billionaire. I'm a billionaire. I'm a billionaire. So he was in a way poking the bear that if someone was going to find out and then he says things like, oh, I'm going to release my tax returns and then I don't. So let's remember the timeline here. It, the timeline was that Tish James was not prosecuting this case until two things happened. One, 
uh, Cohen. Hey, but what's Cohen's first name? Michael Cohen. Once Michael Cohen testified in Congress that that Donald Trump was cooking the books, and then the New York Times got copies of these financial statements and tax returns, and then they did a big expose that showed what was going on. Then there was a paper trail for Letitia James to follow. But the thing, the point I want to make, and this is one that I think that a lot of people get on its head, Donald Trump should not not be prosecuted because he's a presidential candidate or because he's famous. Judges all the time and prosecutors all the time make examples out of high-profile people when they get into trouble because they know it's going to get the attention of the non-high-profile people. When I stood to be sentenced, no one had ever been sentenced for an obscenity charge to prison like I was being, and I accept full responsibility for the things I did. I put myself in that position. And when it's time for sentencing, I I stood up and the, and the, I read my statement and I, you know, whatever. A lot of people submitted statements on my behalf, etc. The gallery was full with press people and everything else. And the judge, this woman named Cote, she's known as being a, she started to read her decision, and it said, "This guy's done a lot." He has seemingly turned things around. He's entered recovery. He goes to meetings all the time. He, oh, they've got letters upon letters from people who are in recovery with about what service he – about all these nice things. And that this is a, something that has never been sentenced before, all these nice things. And then at the end, she said, um, but as a public person and as someone who's on the front page of the paper, I'm paraphrasing. This has to be an example to everyone else that everyone is responsible for following the law. And she sent me to prison. And that's the thing, that when you are a high-profile person like Donald Trump you and you go out and you brag about your wealth and you go out and you brag about and you commit frauds all over the place, it's going to catch up with you. So he is right that he was targeted to a large degree for something that maybe other people do. But that's how the justice system works. That's how the justice system sends a message out. As a matter of fact, in his decision, Judge Erdogan, 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 he's not the president of Turkey, he's not that guy, Erdogan, anyway, that judge, in his decision said, the everyone does it and you're targeting me joint defenses are exactly why he is finding the way that he did because it held message has to be sent that you don't commit these crimes and think that everyone does it. No, everyone doesn't do it. And we still have laws. And I knew that. I knew that if my, if I was not a former congressman, if my name wasn't Anthony Weiner, if I wasn't famous and whatever it is, I hadn't run for mayor. I, I doubt very much the Southern District of the, of New, of New York would have prosecuted this case the way that they did. So I agree with Donald Trump that if you take a look at that counterfactual, what if he was not someone famous? Would he be charged with this? The answer is I don't think he would have been. However, I also don't think there would have been a New York Times front page story. I don't think there would have been one of your employees in the front of Congress. I don't think there would have been, you know, you, you, you wouldn't have, you know, you wouldn't have been like making up numbers to get on the Forbes list. There's a lot of things that he did. That led to that place same same way with me. 
And that is to some degree the way judges look at the system is they say, we know, you know, two people charged with this thing. And by the way, there are lots of people who get charged with filing with fraud in, in the state of New York. That's not all that unusual a thing. So on that, Donald Trump is exactly right. Let's go get some calls out of the way here. Some people have been waiting. Some of our best callers are on the board today, including Janet in New Jersey. Hey, Janet. Hi. I can't wait to say this. Maybe we should prosecute the judge because he knows nothing about real estate. You, nobody can go, every, anybody can go to a bank and ask for money to be bar, to borrow money on their house. Do you think the bank doesn't send out their own people to make sure that Janet, can I ask you a question? Janet, I'm going to let I'm going to let you finish, Janet. But are you allowed to lie on a bank application? He didn't lie. No, no, hold on a second. But Janet, he did lie. We know that that part's been established that he had an evaluation that he did his evaluations by his people. He hired someone to do it and then wrote different numbers down. Are you allowed to lie on a bank application? It was probably his son-in-law. Janet, 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 but no, no, Janet, I'm not saying son-in-laws. I'm saying you, Janet, me, or you and I, are we allowed to lie on a bank application? So why did the bank cheat? Janet, Janet, before we move on with the conversation, I just want to make sure we have the same understanding. Do you think it's okay to lie on a bank application? Is that legal? You're you're not being fair. In what way? Because they gave a price of Mar-a-Lago which was so underpriced it's ridiculous they lied janet it was janet bus. it was the eval- it was the assessment was done by donald trump's own assessor but marilago yes but did you hear what the judge what the judge said it was worth the judge million? didn't say janet the judge all he had was evidence in the record he didn't make up a number he took there was a trial Janet, I and I, I love you, Janet, but the problem is you're like the judge doesn't make up so he takes evidence that's in the record. And you heard the tape of Donald Trump taking the fifth. So what you had were the bank records and the application records and the subpoenaed records of the Trump organization. He paid for the assessment that came up with eighteen million dollars and then he wrote on an application. Where's my notes? He wrote on an application one time four hundred twenty six million and one time uh, one time six hundred twelve million. You can't do that. That's against the law. Now, you can say, oh, everyone does it, but everyone does not do it. I could get in trouble for that. Janet can get in trouble for that. The judge people are like, oh, by the way, I heard Steve Moore say this earlier. The judge didn't make up the stuff that's evidence that's in the record. They subpoenaed the documents. And what do the documents show? What did the testimony, what was the testimony of the experts and of the Trump employees, including Weisselberg? Was that we had evaluations. This wasn't a misunderstanding. We just didn't like it. It wasn't as good for us to put $16 million down. And by the way, that's the only explanation for taking a 10,000 square foot house and repeatedly making it a 20,000 or a 30,000 square foot house like he did with Trump Tower. You can't lie like that. It's against the law. And laws apply to people. So when Janet calls us, what the, the, the judge, the, the, the banks have their own things. That does not mean you can lie. <laughs> It doesn't mean you can lie. I'm sorry. And we'll be right back.
across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Welcome back to the middle on the finest AM radio in the nation, 77 WABC radio, available in 130 some odd countries, all 50 states, every continent but Antarctica. We're working on that one. That's ever clear with AM radio. Oh, let's get to some more calls. Let's go to Robert in Suffolk, one of our best callers. Hey, Robert, welcome back. Hi, thanks, Anthony. You know, there is a prohibition against excessive fines under the Eighth Amendment. And I believe that's at work here with what the judge determined Trump should pay and also what the Attorney General asked for. And also, I want to say a couple other things. You can't go after someone as a government official and take an action against them because of their political beliefs which is what Tish James has done from the outset. And putting down the market value of a property as what it's worth is not a crime. If you, if, if, what, you, you, you can't, well, let's do one thing at a time. You cannot put something down on an application that you know to be false. You can't do that. Property value which is market value, can't be false. Yes, it can. You, you, that's why they have no... There's a whole industry... Robert, false. Robert, Robert. There's a whole industry of assessors that go out and assess properties for the purposes of transactions. You can't pay for an assessment and then get the assessment back and then lie about what the assessment said. That is what's called a crime. But let me get to your other point, Robert. You said this is an excessive fine. It's not actually a fine. It's a, it's a disgorgement. The sec, the first trial was to determine whether or not fraud was committed and then it was that, and, and that's when all the evidence was presented. Donald Trump had a, had a chance to put on any witness he want, he want, and, and he took the fifth and it was found that fraud had indeed been committed. The second trial that just wrapped up 
was to figure out how much he has to disgorge to give back, how much the ill-gotten gains were. It's not a fine. He's not being penalized. This is the calculation that was done in the course of a trial about how much he gained. For example, if he got a loan at 4%, that if he had correctly put his numbers down, would have been at 6.5%. You can figure out how much he got from that. And the total is... The total is $354,868,768 that he has to disgorge to the citizens of the state of New York in addition to interest. So it's not a fine. So it's a, so the Eighth Amendment wouldn't even apply here. Where is disgorgement in the law? What statute? It's the statute that he was tried under. I don't have the, stat- the, the statute numbers, but he was tried under the fraud laws of the New York State of New York State. If you commit an act of no, fraud against unconstitutional, well, it's not unconstitutional. Unconstitutional. What constitutional provision are you referring to? What constitutional protection of, uh, for fraud? You know, people get accused, convicted of fraud in in trials in open court all the time, Robert. That's why I recommend, and thank you so much for calling, Robert. You always bring a lot to the table. That's why I recommend to Robert: don't commit fraud. Because if anyone is watching this trial and listening to people like Steve Moore, and God bless him, one of the best shows on the station. But if you're listening to him, it's almost as if he's saying, ah, fraud is fine. Do whatever fraud you want. No one ever gets prosecuted for it. No, 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 no. Please, my listener. The next time you fill out a bank application, don't use the Trump defense. No one gets hurt if I lie here. People go to prison. People get in trouble. People have a lot of problems when they think that way. And to say it's unconstitutional to say you've got to fill out a form, you can't knowingly fill out something that is that is wrong, that's just not the way it works. There's plenty of laws like that in all 50 states. You can't commit fraud. Fraud is against the law. And so, and, and by the way, fraud was against the law when he did it at Trump University. Fraud was against the law when he did it at Trump Foundation. I mean, fraud is generally frowned upon. And I certainly would hope that the listeners to the middle would understand that the explanation being, ah, you can go ahead and lie all you want, no one ever cares, is a very dangerous position to take, especially if you're the head of a big corporation and you're supposedly such a smart businessman. Was he prosecuted because his name was Donald Trump? I'm going to say maybe yes, but that's why you were in the front page of the papers. Are you in the front page of the papers because you're Donald Trump and you want to be in the front page of the papers? When we come back for the second hour... We're going to change the subject to one all of you seem to like so much more than this one, which is Hunter Biden is back in the news. And I finally had a chance to read cover to cover the report, the independent counsel report on Joe Biden. I don't know if you heard about that guy. He's apparently old. We'll have a little bit about that and we'll take a bunch more of your calls. It's the 100th episode of The Middle. I want to see you on the other side. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. Turn the radio on. 
Welcome back to The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. I'm taking you for another hour till 4 o'clock. This is our 100th episode. At 4 o'clock, Roger Stone comes in for Left versus Right, the debate edition. We debated last week. A lot of people tuned in. He's an interesting cat, no doubt about it. And we had a spirited back and forth. We're doing it again this week. This was the brainchild of John Katzmatidis, our owner here and the operator of the station, someone who's on the radio a lot. He actually debated me a few times in there. And he might be coming back again. This might be the kind of thing that we rotate people in and out. I don't know. But um, Roger Stone is no tomato can. He's a serious guy, and so we're going to go at it again. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Jonas will get you set up. Kevin is supervising things. Ava is on the board here. And um, you can listen to us, obviously, on the radio or on the app or on WABCradio.com. And the the text the emails the phone calls they're just the celebrities that are calling in to say congratulations they're just but there's no one bigger than this next caller waiting on the line is that you jordan yeah it is jordan my son jordan 12 year old jordan who jordan you, know, you were featured in episode 60 something you're quite a star here at the station are you calling in to say congratulations yes i'm congratulating you on your 100th anniversary show well, thank you very much. Now, you're not exactly a prime demographic AM radio listener. Do you even, if you had to tune in to 770 on the radio, would you even know how to do it? No, I talk about sports. Oh, that's a good point. You would you would find the sport. Actually, you know, we do have that radio that sits on the counter that's an old-fashioned radio. You could probably tune in 770 there. What are you doing when I'm supposed to be babysitting you? Are you, are you reading a book? Are you doing a puzzle? Or are you playing Fortnite? I'm actually playing something that's the but it's not Fortnite, it's football. Oh, you're playing football online. Well, Ken, thank you very much for, for calling, and I appreciate it, pal. It's nice to have your vote of confidence. Do you want to come in and do sports again sometime? Sure. All right, pal. Thank you for calling in. Very nice of Jordan to check in. Lovely young man. I don't know what he's doing there. Hopefully he's he's at the age now where he doesn't need to be babysat every moment, but that doesn't mean he's always making the right decisions. I he uh, made himself lunch today, which was leftover birthday cake. Wonderful. All right, let's go uh, to the calls. But first, before we do that, I want to catch you up on uh, two other issues. One is Hunter Biden. Now, you've heard it a lot of times. You've heard about the $5 million loan that Joe and Hunter Biden got, part of this terrible story, the Biden crime family, they call it, around here. And I say around here because I'm trying to think of a host here at the station who has not made a big deal about Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Well, this has been a bad week for the conspiracy theorists. This has been a bad week for the House of Representatives that's been investigating this stuff because the guy, the FBI informant that reported that Joe Biden had gotten a $5 million loan from Burisma, this energy company in Ukraine when he was vice president, it turns out that the guy is a fraud and a liar, and he was indicted himself, Alexander Smirnov. He was a longtime informant for the FBI. Turned out the guy just didn't like Joe Biden, and so he made up a bunch of stuff about him, this 37-page indictment. They figured out that the guy was lying when he claimed to have observed things in Ukraine before he was even there and before uh, and also observe things that Joe Biden was alleged to have done when Joe Biden wasn't there. It wasn't that difficult to sort this thing out. But if you remember this, this was 
uh, this was a thing that the the right wing media, including here, I'm not going to lie, was just all over. Listen to this compilation of how they acted when this guy's report became public. A bombshell FBI informant file revealing allegations of an international bribery shakedown involving then Vice President Joe Biden and his son, Hunter. It's totally made up. Even a trusted FBI informant has alleged a bribe to the Biden family. Pure fiction. One trusted FBI informant. It's false. A long-standing, credible FBI informant. It never happened. A trusted FBI confidential human source. We created it. He was a credible source. This one was invented by a writer. This informant is one of their most reliable ones. All his information has always panned out. Not this time. We're seeing all kinds of very damning evidence come out now. No. One of the FBI's most credible Highest paid, most trusted, most effective informant. We got you. The highly credible, multilingual, extremely trustworthy, longtime confidential FBI informant. Not this time. It never happened. That's kind of the funny version of it. That's I give credit to the Daily Show for putting the little guy's voice in the middle of saying it didn't happen. Well, the bottom line, it didn't happen. But but here's my point about this. First of all, just about every big bombshell that they've come up with about, you know, the Bobolinskis and everything else has turned out to be wrong. And this one guy's actually going to go to prison for lying about it. But I just want to point out, Sean Hannity did 85 segments about, literally, I didn't do the count, someone else did, 85, 28 monologues in the last year about this FBI informant. The FBI said all along, we don't trust this guy. That's why we never treated it that seriously. He's got all kinds of credibility problems. The Congress insisted, said, we want this full report to be released. And the FBI said, hey, I want to warn you, we get hundreds and hundreds of these tips. This one does not seem credible. So this Comer guy and Grassley, they go out and they release this thing. The Fox Newses of the world do these segments, nonstop, breathless segments about this. FBI informant says, FBI informant says, FBI informant says, and now it turns out that the guy's been proven to be a liar and he's going to be going to prison for it. I mean, well, he's alleged and he's going to be going to prison for it. And so instead of the airwaves being full up with people saying, we're sorry about that, it's just crickets around here. I bet you $100 if you listen for the next couple of weeks, someone will go back to saying that Joe Biden got a $5 million loan, a $5 million bribe. I bet you. No, we're not going to hear any apology. We're not going to hear Rudy apologize. We're not going to hear the people around here have been saying this apologize for relying upon this ridiculous source that, 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 that made this up. And if you read the indictment, he made up a lot of stuff about Joe Biden. They just, this, this was like his thing. I mean, I just think that the media has to have a little bit more credibility if they're going to, look, we have known you, my listener. I have come, I've done dozens of segments about Hunter Biden. And I've said all along with the problems in, the, in this case. But this one is was we saw coming. Congress went to uh, uh, John, uh, Comer and the Congress went to the FBI and said, we want this report made public. And they said, no, we don't want to make it public because it's not true or we have real concerns about his credibility. And so they said, we're going to subpoena it. So finally, Ray, the head of the FBI, says, OK, and releases it. So to Congress, not to the public, release it to Congress. The first thing they do is they make it public. And so Fox News goes off and runs off with this. FBI informant, FBI informant, FBI informant. They get thousands of tips, maybe millions of tips. And this one was just wrong. But do we have corrections going on? No. By the way, here's what Comer. Comer, when he does here, when he was when he was told about what did he say? 
He's like, um, oh, Comer blamed the Bureau, blamed the FBI for telling their committee that the source was credible and trusted, had worked with the FBI for over a decade and had been paid six figures. He says it's it's the FBI's fault. But the FBI told him that this one, when they checked it out, looked like it was all wet. Anyway, so that happened. So Hunter Biden, a little Hunter Biden tidbit. Then we get back to calls. One other thing. I did, I, I finally got a chance when, when we, we came on the air last week, the report of the independent counsel on Biden had just come out on the documents. And... Um, so I had just seen the top line of it. And you heard what I said last week. I think it's good for the goose. It's good for the gander. Yes, he's a Republican in, inspector general. Yes, pointing out his age probably did make a lot of sense. But look, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. These special prosecutors, they have to come from somewhere. This one I thought didn't do a good job. But then I read the report, and the report was an utter dumpster fire. It's like the worst written thing I've ever seen. Like, give me, I'm going to give you an example. On page one. Of the report, the very first page, the special counsel report that he said they found evidence of willful retention that um, Biden retained classified documents. OK, page one. Then the rest of the report, it goes on to say, yes, but we found a lot of evidence that he didn't. <laughs> I'm serious. So like on page 215, that's on page one, on page 215. Um, here's what his report says. While it is natural to assume that Mr. Biden put the Afghanistan documents in the box on purpose and he knew they were there, there is, a, in fact, a shortage of evidence on these points. So he's basically saying, yeah, there's, maybe he did, but there's no, there's a shortage of Like then he had these notebooks that he had taken home with him, like a lot of presidents had. So on page 215, um, no, I'm sorry, um, on page 10, it says, the evidence, this is a quote, the evidence does not show that when Mr. Biden shared the specific passage with his ghostwriter, Mr. Biden knew the passages were classified and intended to share the information. So that's not on page one. In page one, they found evidence. Yes, there's evidence all over the thing. The idea is you're supposed to summarize it in a way that tells you what your conclusions are. And then on these notebooks that he took home with him, which is – Two of the three big things that they found that he shouldn't have had, two notebooks and then this one memo about Afghanistan. Here's what the report says. From much of our nation's history, it appears that many former presidents and vice presidents knowingly retained information concerning national security without being subject to criminal investigations or charges. Basically, you know, presidents don't get charged for for doing that. I mean, all over the report is contradiction to what they said in the first page. And so it's very confusing. Even good reporters are getting confused by this. Page 248, we conclude the evidence does not establish that Mr. Biden willfully disclosed national defense information. Page 170, we do not know whether Mr. Biden willfully retained the classified documents or consulted them when writing his book. 177, we cannot prove Mr. Biden retained these classified documents willfully. I mean, how about this? This is a funny one. The innocent explanation for the retention of the classified documents in the eyes-only envelope at the Penn Biden Center is not only plausible, it is a better explanation than the one for willful retention. (laughs) So it's just terribly written. Like, they should not put at the top, we found some evidence. Yes, okay, you found some evidence, but what is is the, the rest of it show? So, look... 
Biden's not going to be prosecuted. Trump was. Biden cooperated. Trump didn't. Biden, uh, Trump tried to hide it. Biden didn't. He just should have given them back. Oh, that's what I'm going to ask Roger Stone. That's what I'm going to ask him during the debate. I hope he's not listening. I'm going to ask him, why did he want this stuff? Donald Trump. That's the big mystery to me. Anyway, maybe Roger Stone can help us with that. So let's go to go back to the calls. This is our 100th episode, so it wouldn't be a celebration without all of our very fine callers. Um, let's go to Lou in White Plains. Hey, Lou, welcome back. Hey, Anthony. Um, you know, you've had eloquent um, experts in, in the law, Dershowitz, uh, Napolitano. They, they come on your station, as you're aware of. They've eloquently broken down the, the anatomy of these cases, um, you know, selective enforcement, um, a de facto repeal. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to get into it, but but to have you come on, and this is you're not an expert in in that area. In, in my opinion, it's it's all it's a it's a continuation. It's a form of of voter. Um, uh, uh, oh, jeez, I always forget the term suppression. Uh, Disinformation on here. Uh, yeah, it's okay. of interference. It's it's a form of, uh, and yet here's why. Very quickly, it's because we have we have pertinent things going on in the country that affect the citizens uh, of us, you know, locally, regionally, uh, statewide and globally that are pressing. And we're, we're talking you're talking about a porn performer. Why does everyone call them stars? They're not stars. They're performers. So that's a silly uh, phrase. The porn star. They're not a star. They're perform- so to waste time on this. Is, 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 is exactly the reason it's the weaponization of the judicial system. So you are basically a continuum of the whole reason why this is happening. And your experts have come on here, Dershowitz, Napolitano. And so it's, it's, you know, that said, they basically eloquently broken it down to that. So now to have you. Well, wait, I don't, but Lou, I want to understand. Let me me finish. Well, but hold on. I've I've, I've let you go on a while, but let me, let me, let me, I'll I'll let you conclude, but let me understand what you think. The role of the media or this station should be. Is it to hear Napolitano and Dershowitz who are paid to have the opinions that they have? They're paid to tell you that Donald Trump is a good guy on conservative or they don't get invited on conservative outlets. And my job is not to provide the other perspective. That's your pers- That's what you believe. Dershowitz is the most respected constitutional. He writes books lawyer. saying Trump is innocent. Me, he's he's, he's in finish. the bag. He's a salesman. Finish. Let me finish, Anthony. You are too. You all are exactly. Anthony, but what is your? This. But answer my question, Lou. Anthony, do you believe it's? Anthony, do you believe here, Lou? Don't overtalk me. Don't try to. I'm sorry, Lou. I I get this. I have a little knob that turns down your volume. I'm going to do it right now. My question to you is: Do you believe that my role is supposed to be to just nod like a performing seal at anything these guys who write books who are living professionally in the world of defending Trump. Do you think my job is to ignore that when they get things wrong? And now you can turn him back up. No, no you're not going to be able to socially engineer me because I, I do that. All right. I Let said, me, actually, I'm going to do better than socially engineer you. If you're not going to engage in a conversation, this is not a forum to pontificate except you're on this side of the microphone. I get to pontificate. But I'm going to extrapolate from what Lou said. I'm going to assume good faith on Lou's part that he makes two points. One, 
Dershowitz and Napolitano have already told you all you need to know. So look away. Don't look at anything Anthony might be saying to you. But then when Anthony does say something, I am somehow perpetuating something about this issue that is unimportant. I do immigration. I do Ukraine. I do the budget. I do whatever you want to do. But I start out this conversation by saying that this this conversation about legal proceedings is what we're going to have, Lou. <laughs> and if people are going to come on the air and say that Herr Leader, the head of their their thing, is somehow immune from the laws of gravity, Dershowitz has been on over and over and over again making the argument that it is perfectly appropriate after Electoral College um, has been decided, after the state legislature has already met, to then go and try to overturn that result. He writes books saying Donald Trump is innocent. Of course he's going to come on your radio and say he's innocent. You don't get invited on conservative radio unless you do. And I don't get invited on conservative radio except for this two hours. So if Lou's position is, be quiet, you're hurting my ears because you're saying something I don't want to hear. I'm sorry. But when people over and over again say things that I think are wrong, we call this show the middle because the, the facts are neither left nor right. They're just facts. And we'll be back to do more of them after the break. change reaching across the aisle to work with both sides before all this happened anthony weird he was fantastic that guy could have been the president this is the middle with anthony weiner but weiner may be my greatest challenge yet he has gone toe to toe with many pundits before me on wabc Middle. This is our 100th episode. That's Garland Jeffries, one of our favorites. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. The lines are mostly full. One line open if you'd like to try to call in and get on it. Wiener, WABC at gmail.com. So we're doing a lot of, like, legal... Just about every story is, for some degree, in a courtroom. And I know that Lou called in and didn't like that we were doing that. 
Um, unfortunately, that's what we're going to be talking about this year an awful lot. One of the reasons that this show got expanded was to do more of that stuff, and it is true. I am not a lawyer. I did, however, serve on the Judiciary Committee, and I have the gift of being able to read. <laughs> so when someone says, someone says, well, the 14th Amendment doesn't apply to presidents, I can read. I can read. I can, I can read. Um, so let's get back to some of these, to some of the calls here. First, let's go to, uh, let's go to Phil in New Jersey. Hey, Phil. Hey, Anthony. Always fun to talk to you. My pleasure. Um, Thanks for so calling us. I want to do a little fact check for you. Uh, first off, you stated that um, by Trump getting loans, that prevented somebody else from getting loans. Okay, that's not true. When I was, well, back in the 60s, when I was, had a paper out, I would take my $5, go to the bank with my passbook, put it in the bank, and when they got enough of that, they would lend that to somebody. That doesn't happen anymore. The big banks go to the Fed. They borrow the money at very low rates and then charge twice as much to the, to the borrower. That's the way it works today. So this idea that his loan prevented somebody else was not accurate. Um, as far as an appraiser, you said it's against the law to uh, lie on a application. It's not against the law to not use your appraisal to think it's invalid. I mean, let me give you an example. <clears throat> I serve on a couple charity boards. I was the chair at one time. We wanted to buy a property next door for one of our office buildings. We got an appraisal, and I said, this is way too high. This is crazy. Um, and I said, I'm not going to support us purchasing it. Uh, fast forward a year and a half, real estate market continued to increase. We bought it for less than half of the appraised price. So the appraisal was dead wrong. And I knew it was dead wrong, even though I'm not an appraiser. It was just obvious. Reading the documents, the comparables he used, they were just ludicrous. So not every appraisal is necessarily accurate. So not using your appraisal right, but this, should not be against the law. No, I, I know, but both of these things were heard in the trial. The first thing, the banks were put on the stand and asked when when Donald Trump got this loan and his company got this loan, did it mean that there was less money for them to loan someone else? And they said yes. And they were also asked if the interest rate would have been different had it been correctly evaluated, and they said yes. That's where the numbers came from in the second trial. As far as the appraisals are concerned, there's a very important difference here, is that in the trial, the Trump Organization witnesses were asked, when you got these appraisals, did you object to them at all? Did you think they were wrong? Did you not hire the guys that did the appraisals for the next time? They just ignored them. They, 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 that's where the fraud comes from. Fraud needs a willfulness to happen. And that's what was found in the trial. You see, Phil, we have trials to determine these facts. That's the only way we have to do it. One side says one thing and the other side says the other thing. And then they have a trial and they both call witnesses and they cross-examine. And that's how fact-finding happens in the legal system. And that's why Donald Trump loses in these in this environment, because he's so used to just blustering and making stuff up. But in both of those cases, whether or not there was a diminution in the amount of money that the that the banks had to lend and whether he got an advantage by putting down these exaggerated numbers. Both of those things came out in the trial. First off, from what I read, and I, I assume it was true, I heard it on a number of sources, that there was no trial to find him guilty. That was the, the again, I'm not going to say Erdogan either, because I can't say his name either. <laughs> I didn't know he's not the president of Turkey, but I agree with you there. <laughs> um, or dictator of Turkey, whatever you want to call him. Um, that he took Letitia James's uh, 
charges and ruled on that. Right. No, it was then a summary. Was a, it was a summary. It's what's called here. But let me, let me explain to the listener. It's what's called a summary judgment, because, among other things, I played at the top of the show. I played the deposition of Donald Trump in this case. So they took depositions. They took arguments. They took filings. But the case was not even really contested by the Trump by Trump to a great degree because they the documents to a large degree spoke for themselves. It, it, it was not a hard case. It wasn't a close call. Um, and, and, but they had, they, they were, they were free to, to present the evidence that they wanted to. I mean, look, the, here's, you know, and Phil, Phil, excellent call, but Phil actually brought this into focus for me. In that, I think what many of Donald Trump's supporters are having trouble with about these cases, not just this one, but generally speaking, is that they're not chaos-driven, shouting from the lectern, coming up with crazy things that you say, saying them over and over again on Twitter. No, in a court of law, there's rules because courts of laws all the time try to learn what the truth is to mete out justice. First they get the truth and then they apply the law to the facts and then theoretically they get justice from that. The reason Donald Trump keeps losing in those cases is because, I'm sorry to say this, brace yourself if you're people like Lou, he, he lies about stuff. He wanted to be the, this was the testimony of his own people of Weisselberg. He wanted so badly to be on this Forbes list of people that he lied about to banks about what he had because it was, he, he, it was so important. That, look, we in New York and to those listeners around the country, I, I'm speaking to you now. We in New York have known this guy's a phony, whatever. The guy's got a failed airline. He failed at casinos, six bankruptcies. So these cases happen. And then you have rules of engagement of how you present evidence to find out what the truth is. And among other things are subpoenas that you get documents where they say where things are written down. And you have witnesses like like appraisers who are called and says, how did you come up with this appraisal? Did you tell the Trump organization this was your appraisal? Did they object? Did they did they offer you any information to say it was five times higher? Did they hire you again after you gave them that appraisal that that was in their view so wrong? This is where the evidence came from. And let's go to Chris in Monroe. Hey, Chris. Hey, uh, Dan. How are you? I'm, I'm good. Hey, Chris. Uh, all right, listen. You know, I, I want to ask you, do you actually believe – just let me give you a couple examples. Do you believe what you are saying on this station, or is it just to have a job? Because – You were going to give me an know, example. What example? Well, I – you're pretty much polar opposite of, of almost anyone else, uh, you know, on, on this station. I listen all day long. Well, did, did, did you listen to the intro? Did you listen to the intro today when I got on the air? Uh, I might have missed it, to be well, honest with you. But, well, I mean, I explained that I'm, 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 I'm here to talk to people like you so you understand that what you're hearing isn't the only story. Well, I, I look, I, I understand. Believe me, it's, it's, so, <laughs> it's hard to find the truth. But the thing is that if you... I think if you actually told – who's who's lying? Is it you or is it everybody else? If you told the truth right there, I don't think you'd be working there because you are like the, uh, you know, the counterpoint. Let's put it that way. Thank you. That's a compliment. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're good at it. I appreciate it. But, Chris, but, yeah. look, Chris, you have put your finger on it. I, You say, well, how do I survive here? Well, for one thing, people are listening in substantial numbers, and I'm very, very grateful for that. But two is that 
that the people that run this station, that own this station, that manage this station, John Katsimatidis, who, who is the big boss, and Chad Lopez, the guy who's the president, and Emily who's the counsel, and, the, and, 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 and Kevin who's the program director, these guys have figured out that people don't want one hand clapping all day. That other people come into the conversation. People like Lou earlier are forced to listen to the other side a little bit. That people who, who, who want to know, well, what have we been hearing all day? We just heard an hour of Steve Moore before I came on get 95 things wrong about the case yesterday. And so, yes, I am here to be a counterpoint. Well, uh, yeah, I, I just find it hard to believe that so-called truth can be so polar opposite. It's you know not truth. I mean? Let me just say, th- let me just say this, Chris. Let me clarify one thing. It's facts, but it's not truth. Truth is entirely how no one, maybe I'm getting spiritual here. No man sees the truth. All we do is see our perspective. And all we do here at 77 WABC is try to inform your perspective. Only God knows the truth. But I can bring you facts. And people ask me all the time, and thank you for calling, Chris. People ask me all the time, how do you call yourself the middle when you're far left? And what I say is I bring the facts, and the facts are neither left nor right. If someone calls up and says something that's just not right, when someone says, well, he got a fine when he got, when it was a disgorgement, I'm going to clarify that. And that's not left or right. That's just, that's what a fact looks like. When Napolitano or Dershowitz come in and they do their interpretation of something, that's an interpretation. When I do my interpretation, that's an interpretation. But the facts, they be the facts. And so, and what I try to do on this show, maybe more than other places, I don't know is that I tried to bring information that isn't like just now. I went and I read from the from the um, independent counsel report, and everyone else read you from page one. I read you from page 171 because those are the facts of what was in that report. It also did say that Joe Biden is old and forgetful, but I talked about that last week. And we'll be right back. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner.
And that seal of light, Bob Mould, bringing us back in. This is the middle, bringing you to 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, Roger Stone comes in for left versus right. Another one of our big jungle rumbles. At Rep Wiener is what I am on Twitter X. Anthony D. Wiener, I think, on threads, if that's still a thing. Wiener, WABC at gmail.com. And, of course, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222, the 100th episode of the middle, and it's great to have you along, like I said, taking you to till 4 o'clock. Let's do a few more calls because this show would not be what it is without the vigorous debates we've had as a result of the calls coming in. Let's go to Dean in New Jersey. Hey, Dean, welcome back. Yeah, thank you very much, Anthony, and it was great hearing from uh, Jason. He calmed me down, and um, I'm happy he, you should have him on more often. Listen, um, I, I love what you're doing. I really, really do. I just wish that you – could acknowledge in your heart and let us know that you think this whole thing would never have happened if Trump wasn't such an idiot. All right. Not, you take any businessman in any state, in any big, large, large um, city, and you could do this to every single one of them without a doubt. And the part that I like about what you do is you made us see that what they did to Biden on the same type thing of him having these classified uh, documents would never have happened in a real world. They never would have gone after him. They never would have gone after Pence. This has been going on for the, the, the only reason why. You mean the, that they never would have gone after Trump for withholding these documents? Right. Oh, no. Oh, no. That that one you're wrong on. Oh, that one. I definitely he he acted. So he acted. Look, this thing was a nothing burger. The 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 uh, archives said, give us our stuff back. You've got our stuff. And instead of just saying, oh, sure, come get it. He he lied, said he didn't have it. He refused to have a search happen, demanded there be a um, a subpoena. Then when the, the FBI comes, he tells people to move it, to hide it. He has he say he's accused of saying delete videotapes. Oh no, you're making a mistake about that. That one, that one is mysterious to me because as Bob Barr has said, Trump just had to say, sure, come get them and I'll give them back to you just like Pence and Biden did. Anthony? Yes, sir. They never would have even asked him for it. It happens in every administration. That's part of Trump's, that's trying to point to Trump's defense is every administration has stuff that winds up in boxes and the National Archives comes and gets them back. I don't understand. Maybe you can explain, Dean, because you seem to have a good handle on this case. What in the world, why did Donald Trump work so hard if the allegations are true and they're pretty bright line, either they are or they aren't, why did he fight so hard? Why did he t- His lawyer came out and said, I was told to lie to say that these things had been returned when they had not. Why did he do that? I'm glad you asked me that question. If any human being would have been treated by Trump by the state, since 2014, 2015, he's been spied on. He's been lied to. He's every single person that has dealt with Trump from the beginning has been uh, accused. Their, their family has been attacked. Their whole lives have been turned upside down. Oh, but down. Dean, hold now, on a second. Now, you should you think this started in 2015? Bill Clinton sought for a subpoena for a civil deposition in the White House. Come on. And what is it started with with Donald Trump? And by the way, what I would say to Donald Trump, to be honest, is if if you know you're in this new realm now, you're in politics now, you're a candidate for president. 
Don't go lying to banks. Don't go have 150 of your employees meeting with Russian assets. Just don't do stupid stuff. It's This is all self-inflicted. Ask you this, then, Anthony. Uh, the Steele dossier was self-inflicted. The Steele Hillary dos- Clinton. De- the Steele dossier was part of of a long chain. Look, oh, look, uh, and I'll, I'm sure this will come up when I talk to Roger Stone today at four o'clock. The, the do you know who Marco Rubio is? Yes, Marco Rubio is a, a, a fun ball party. He's he's from Florida, and he is a Republican. Does anyone yes, does anyone kiss Donald Trump's ass harder than he does? He, he answers, was, the answer is maybe was, somebody, but not too many people. He was the chair of the intelligence committee, the Republican chair that put out a thousand page report about all of the ways that the Russians worked with the, with the, the Trump uh, campaign to try to, to, to try to flip the election in 2016 in Trump's favor. That's Republicans saying this. If you don't want to be accused of stuff, don't do stuff. Republicans put so so if I could understand you and this is the part that bothers me if I could understand you that you're saying that Trump was treated by our government the same way that all other presidents were treated by our government I would even throw Kennedy in there let me ask you I, I'm gonna wasn't say, treated very Dean, Dean I'm gonna tell you buddy and I appreciate the call and I appreciate the sentiment you're expressing no president in American history ever did the stuff that Donald Trump did. No president had their campaign manager being on the payroll of the Russians and went to prison for it. No president in, in history had their their sons meeting with agents of the Russian government in Trump Tower about the campaign. No president in American history stood up on the campaign trail and said, please, Russians, come spy on my opponent. No president in American history ever um, um, accepted information from from WikiLeaks that was that was uh, stolen from Podesta's emails. No president ever did stuff like this. No no president ever had had a, a Trump University fraud that was so bad that they disbanded it. No president ever had a foundation that was disbanded because of fraud. No president had um, incited a riot on January 6th. No one does stuff like this. You say, has any other president? If you don't want to wind up in front of a court alleging fraud, don't do fraud. And what say you, Dean? He's lying now. I'm sure he hung up. He's going to say thank you, Dean. But Dean, Dean, I, Dean, you're still on. I don't know who you're talking to, but it's not me and our listeners. So you get the final word. Oh, he did? Oh, okay. Now, I just want the record to show. Ava, save that tape. The caller hung up on me, not the other way around. But listen, I mean, I'm being provocative because that's what I do. Ever since Lou called, I feel the need to be a little bit more provocative. But yet, when people say to me, well, no one ever got investigated like he does, listen, you cannot make your entire raison d'etre, the entire thing about your life is that you're a rich guy, when you're not actually that rich and you've been losing money like crazy. Because someone's going to look around and find out that you're not. You cannot commit a whole bunch of acts of fraud as part of your business model and think no one's going to find out. I said at the beginning of the show, I agree with Donald Trump and I agree with Undine that, that yes, when you are the president, when you're a big deal on this national scene, you've got to be careful because people are going to, I went to prison because I was a member of Congress, because I was a Democratic firebrand, because my name was Wiener and because I committed crimes. That last part's important because I did things. I was prosecuted in the Trump administration 
by a Trump U.S. attorney. It doesn't matter. I knew when that judge stood up and sentenced me and says, it's because you're a public figure that I'm giving you this sentence. I understood that. And I accept that. That's yes. But one way to prevent that is don't do illegal things. And we have courts to, we have courts and we have judges and yeah. If you don't want someone to invest, to, to prosecute you for, for keeping documents you're not supposed to have, for moving them, for evading a legal subpoena, for telling people to erase videotapes, then don't take the documents, return them when you're told, and don't try to destroy evidence. How about that for an idea? And we'll be right back to wrap up. to make change, reaching across the aisle to work with both sides. Before all this happened, Anthony Weir, he was fantastic. That guy could have been the president. This is The Middle with Anthony Weiner. But Weiner may be my greatest challenge yet. He has gone toe-to-toe with many pundits before me. On WABC. the middle i'm anthony weiner that's the clash doing their version of i fought the law taking you to four o'clock i have to start limbering up a little bit me and roger stone are going to be debating the issues of the day it's more kind of a straight debate show the first is right recently we we think that people are responding to it so if you have suggestions on who uh, you'd like to see me debate next weiner wabc at gmail.com so i told you at the top of the show this is a fairly propitious week for me tuesday was the five-year anniversary of me Getting out of prison, I served 18 months and five days in prison, a 21-month uh, sentence in total. Um, and this is my 100th episode. And, again, I want to thank Kevin and Ava and Jonas and all of you for help making it possible. As I said at the beginning, it is, you know, it's a, an island on the radio that is unlike others, and I'm proud of that. Sometimes I get stuff wrong. I'll try to correct them next week. And now I was talking about this to my therapist, this guy named Paul, who's and, you know, I said, you know, what has happened here and how I really feel that, you know, I'm really enjoying radio and I feel like it scratches the itch that I have for public service, a way to try to make amends is to be out there publicly talking about the challenges that I faced and also, and he says, oh, like Jonah. And I'm not really, I'm, you know, getting more spiritual with my age, but I'm not very religious. And I really didn't quite know the story of Jonah and the whale. It's in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
But basically, for the uninitiated, God gave Jonah a job, go to this town where there are a lot of wicked people and preach the gospel of, of God and try to get them to be better people. And he says, uh-uh, I'm not going there. I'm going to go to what is now Israel. I'm going to go in the other direction, rather by land. I'm going to go by sea to this other direction and run away from that, what God told me to do. And so God gets even, sends a storm that way. Jonah realizes that it's because of him that that ship was being hit with a storm. And so they throw Jonah off. Jonah gets eaten by a fish and the fish carries him and spits him out where God wanted him to be in the first place. And I guess in a way that notion of people saying, you know, you should go back and run for office. That's where you're supposed to be. I have come to believe that this is where I'm supposed to be, not necessarily in this chair in front of this microphone or on this station or on this show, but I am exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. And that's so much of what I think torments me and torments others is this idea that there's somewhere else I'm supposed to be. There's some other thing I'm supposed to be doing, some better job I'm supposed to have, some other thing I'm supposed to some level of fame I'm supposed to attain. That if I am comfortable with the idea that here, right now, doing this type of thing, working with all of you, talking to all of you, playing this role, is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And that all I have is right now. This is all that I have. And that in my old life, there was constantly the planning of what should I be doing next? How do I get ready to run for the next office? How do I go raise money to have it? How do I make this friendship so that he'll be nice to me when it's election time and whatnot? That the social and political and communal good that I'm doing by trying to be here, to try to be present, to try to talk to all of you, This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I am at the other side of where the whale spit me out. That you never know. If I would have told anyone, what would have 10 years ago been? 10 years ago would have been about 2013. If I had not screwed up, I would have been wrapping up my second term or something of being mayor. Who knows? And maybe it's a good thing that that didn't happen. Strike that. It's definitely the right thing that I am here right now. And we've done a a hundred episodes of these show, of this show. There might not be a hundred and first. I don't know. No one knows. The past is, what is it? The past is past. The the future, (laughs) the future. Oh no, the past is history. The future is a mystery. The present is a gift. So being with all of you has been really great. And each week I'm going to try to do something similar. I'm going to try to make it a little bit better each week. I'm going to have a lot of help to do that. And while much of the shtick of radio is being absolutely sure at all times that you're right and acting like it, and I get it. Some of a lot of this is performance. I just want to say that a couple of, someone called in a couple of weeks ago and said, you got to learn to relax. And I said, maybe I'm just acting out a little bit just for the fun of it. But from my heart, I want to say how very grateful I am for the opportunity to share these Saturday afternoons with you. I'm grateful to John and Margo Katsimatidis for giving me the opportunity. I'm grateful for the people that work here. But most of all, I'm grateful to all of you, the people that tune in, that call in, that write the emails, that wear those little rating buzzers around their waist so we get the good ratings, and that participate 
in our civic conversations. Let me conclude with that thought. Patriotism is not just fighting in a war. Patriotism is engaging in conversation about the future of our country and our community. And we are divided by a lot of things. No one in New York is a baseball fan. You're either a Met fan or a Yankee fan. No one in New York comes from Brooklyn. You come from a neighborhood in Brooklyn. And that's true in politics as well. We're Republicans and we're Democrats. But at the end of the day, we are unified by one aspiration. And that is the idea that we are all committed to the notion of leaving a city, a neighborhood, a country a little better than the one we found. Our parents did it for us. Their parents did it for them. And we're all committed to the idea that we want to do it for our kids and our grandkids. And Jordan called in a little while ago. Jordan doesn't have politics yet. But I hope that the country we leave for him is better than the one we found. So when we gather around our radios or around our our iPhones or we're just going out for a walk and we engage in the conversations that go on here at 77 WABC Radio, we are engaging in the kind of patriotism that's going to lead to the conversations, that's going to lead to the solutions, that's going to lead to a better country. We are doing what I'm sure Abraham, Abraham what um, Benjamin Franklin talked about when they asked him what he had done in Philadelphia, and he said, I've given you a democracy if you can keep it. Hopefully here at 77 WABC and here on the middle, we're helping us keep it. Thanks for tuning in. A hundred episodes coming up next. Roger Stone and Anthony Weiner debate on left versus right. Stick around for that.